Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. Real people experiencing real change because of a real Savior. Amen. You are one of the ones who uh, can be or is set free by Jesus. And it's good to be gathered together to recognize that this morning as uh, kids are headed downstairs and I love every little uh, sounding amen that we get from them. Even if amen isn't what they're saying, it's so good. Uh, the last few weeks, we have been talking about next steps, about what comes next for us as a church, which are not things that are uh, super radical or kind of out of nowhere. They're the kinds of things that God calls each and every one of us as his followers, his disciples, to step into. And Jesus has called us to follow him, which means there are uh, next steps for each of us to take. So we've talked about being people who are healthy and Christ-formed with all the things in this world that can form us and that do form us. We want to be people who are formed by Christ. A disciple is someone who spends time with Jesus and is formed by Jesus to be more like Jesus and then who goes out and does the things that Jesus does. And so as we go out, we recognize the ways that we are gifted by God to step into the opportunities he gives us. The ways that God has gifted you through his spirit, specifically for the opportunities, for the situations that you find yourself in, so that you can glorify him and honor him in how you live out your life, in loving your neighbor and loving God in that way. And, and as we go out, we want to do so with a missionary mindset. And what we mean by that is that we are looking for opportunities to connect and to meet the needs of the people around us. When our partners in Bosnia or any of the international workers, missionaries that we will be talking about supporting next week, when they land boots on the ground and even before they go, they're thinking through how does this community need to be loved? How do they need their needs met? What can we do to create connection, to demonstrate the love of Jesus to them? And how do we build relationship with people, both those who know Jesus so that we can be in community with them and those who don't so that we can earn the opportunity by loving them to tell them about Jesus. We wanna be people who are listening to the world around us, who are looking for ways to connect and to serve the world around us and who share our story with them, share Jesus's story with them of, uh, of what he has done in our lives. And so we've talked about how disciples are people who intentionally create relationships, who, who choose intentional relationships, who engage with the people around them on purpose, not because people are projects, but because people are people in need of the love of Jesus. And because we are all people who need to be in community with other Jesus followers, people who can support us and encourage us and challenge us and hold us accountable along the way. And so as a church, we wanna have small groups that we say are relevant and transforming, which means they apply to everyday life. This isn't just done in a bubble, like, hey, I feel good in my small group, and then I go out and I don't know what I'm supposed to do with any of this stuff, but they're relevant, they matter, and that they are transforming, that we are getting transformed by Jesus as we gather 
together. And we want to see disciple-making relationships. They were pouring into each other with whatever hard-earned wisdom God has given us to share with the people around us who are following Jesus and disciple-making as in relationships with those who don't yet know Jesus, we would love to introduce them to Christ and and have them see uh, what his love and grace uh, means for their life. And we wanna gather in large groups and Jesus modeled this. He had uh, one-on-one or or, uh, one-on-three kind of relationships where he fully was accountable to people, fully authentic with them. He gathered in small groups and we want to as well people that we're doing life together with in some way, whether that's a formal small group through a church or just these are the people in my life that I'm doing life with. We're here to support and encourage each other, uh, those who know Jesus and those who don't. And then we're part of a large group like this where we gather together and we want all of those gatherings, one-on-one at the coffee shop, small group in somebody's living room, our gatherings here, we want them to be Jesus-centered because again, with all the things in the world that could Form us. We want to be formed by Christ, which means when we gather, it doesn't mean that every conversation has to be about Jesus. It doesn't mean it has to get awkward and weird. It just means that we're focused on being formed by him and being intentional about that. And then when we gather together, yes, we will talk about the other things going on in life because our faith applies to those things, but that's not what we're centered on. That's not what we're going, that's not what's going to drive the mission for us. We're going to be Jesus-centered as we gather together. Another word for being Jesus-centered is worship. In fact, whatever we center our lives around, whether we intend to or not, we are worshiping that thing. So when we say we wanna be Jesus-centered, we want to be Jesus-centered in our worship, not just as we gather, but in our everyday lives. Uh, This spring, Jesse, Right behind, wow, you guys are right behind me. Right, right behind me. Uh, taught a, a class on biblical principles of worship. And we know not everybody uh, could make it in here on a Tuesday night or join in that online. So we wanted to uh, help you glean, I wanted to help you glean some of the wisdom from that uh, class. Uh, I was uh, one of the people who was not able to take it uh, but my wife, Wendy, was. Uh, and we actually had a, a couple of other people lined up to be up here with us, uh, but they both got sick. So it's gonna be the three of us this morning. Um, we want to uh, introduce uh, a definition of worship to you um, and uh, talk about how that applies not just to our quote-unquote worship gatherings, but how we are Jesus-centered um, in every aspect of our lives. So. Jesse, why don't we start there? Uh, Can you define worship for us? Sure, sure. Yeah, so as we start to talk about worship and what worship is, I've found that it's really, it's been helpful for me to have a definition of worship. And when I first started studying worship, I was a little bit frustrated because I felt like I couldn't um, wrap my head around what what it means to worship God. Biblically, it's such a broad uh, topic and um, and some definitions are, are, are really great, but just don't seem to capture all of what worship is. Uh, finally, I was given this definition, and I've grown to really like it because I think it is broad uh, and describes uh, what the Bible talks about when, when it talks about us being worshipers of God. And so let me just share it with you. It says, worship is communion with God. 
in which he reveals himself through word and deed, and his people respond with heart and mind, glorifying him in attitude and action. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first hear that a definition like that, it's sort of like, that's a lot of words, and it just sort of flies over my head. So let me just break it down a little bit for us. Uh, the first, if we were to boil it all the way down, it's just that worship is communion with God. Mm-hmm. That, that's what God made us, is, he made us to be in relationship with him and to know him. And so this is just the gospel, that we have been separated from God because of our sin, but through the blood of Jesus, he's made the way uh, to pay for our sin and to bring us back to him, that he wants us to know him and, uh, and to be in that deep relationship with him, to commune with him. And so that's what it means to be a worshiper of God, is to commune with God. And then we have these two aspects of communion, revelation and response. And that's just how a conversation works. When you're having a, a conversation with somebody, there's revelation. Somebody says something about themselves. You respond. That's how relationship works. And so that's just what we see here with communion with God, is God's revealing himself to us, and he has revealed himself to us. It's actually him that has initiated worship. I mean, he made us, and then he showed us to himself. Without him showing us him, we wouldn't, we wouldn't uh, be invited to know him. But he has invited us to know him and pursued us, so he has actually initiated relationship and revealed himself to us. And he's done this through his word and his deed, through the things he's done, the things that he's said. And so then we respond, and we respond with our whole being, uh, with our hearts and everything we understand our hearts to be, the core of us, um, our emotions, and we respond with our minds, our intellect, and we seek to glorify God in our attitudes and our actions. So our attitudes, the way we think, just the way that we are, and of course, every action uh, like Colossians tells us, do all that you do uh, for the glory of God or as unto the Lord. And so we want all of our actions to glorify God. And so that's really what it boils down to is communion. We're made to know God, to be in relationship with him. And in that communion, it plays out through revelation and response. So that's how I have come to understand <laughs> the no, definition. I, of I find that definition uh, really, really helpful um, because I, I do think we can just... The way we use the English language limits us sometimes. And so a word like worship, we can get a very, very narrow definition of it because that's where we hear it the most often. Like we're going to worship this morning. Um, and uh, it is so much more than that. And I, I think it's, um, it's so helpful to, to hear this. Okay, it's communion and, and God reveals and we respond, which... Uh, if you've been doing church for some amount of time, maybe you just go, yeah, God reveals himself. That's great. So I just want to pause this for just a second and go, uh, the God of the universe has chosen to reveal himself to us and invites us to respond. Um, and that is uh, amazing. Um, it, it is the very definition of the word awesome. I know somebody who doesn't like that I use that word so much because they're like, some things are awesome and some things are just cool. Like, stop using it so much. This is one of those things is actually awesome. It's awe-inspiring that God uh, reveals himself uh, to us. So uh, we're gonna leave that definition up there so you can kind of ruminate on that. And if you choose to not listen to anything we have to say because God's doing something with that definition in you, awesome, feel free to ignore us. However... Nice of me to say that before I hand it off to somebody else. Uh, yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ignore me, not them. Uh, uh, 
Wendy, because of uh, sitting through this class and just as, through being a worship leader for us in conversations with Jesse, I know you've had uh, more than just this morning to ruminate on this definition. So uh, what uh, has this definition meant to you and how has it impacted your views of, of worship? I think one of the things that uh, Jesse mentioned this morning and in the class is that there's an invitation from God into this revelation response pattern. Um, and if you think about a relationship with anyone, like you reveal something about yourself and then you wait to see how they're going to respond. Um, and that sort of determines where you go forward with your relationship. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about a communion relationship with God through this lens of revelation and response and um, he's revealed lots about himself and how do I respond to that? And that even when I don't respond in the right way, God still loves me in a a perfect relationship way um, has, I think, affected how I do respond to God's revelation in my life um, and how personally outside of these four walls, but also in these four walls in my place of work, um, how am I responding to God's revelation in that relationship um, building that relationship with him um, that he personally would like. And I think that's been one of my biggest takeaways from the definition. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, place of work. You want to talk a little bit more about that? What, what does it mean? Um, uh, it is one thing for me to engage in worship in my place of work. It is another thing for you to engage in worship in your place of work at a public high school. So what is... What does worship look like in that kind of environment? Um, so uh, for those that don't know, I teach at Kelso High School, public school. Um, and so it's an interesting uh, way to think about that I am still worshiping even in those situations, that um, the way I treat other people around me can be an act of worship in that space. Am I loving other people well? Am I revealing God's character to those I come in contact with, even when I'm having a super lousy day, um, even when a kid is cussing me out, even when um, things aren't going my way, am I still revealing God's love to other people? Am I still um, responding in grace, in love, the way that God would ask me to? Um, that I'm a worship leader here, obviously on a microphone with a with a guitar, but that I'm also a worship leader at school in how... Mm-hmm. I lead other people to respond to each other um, and to respond to truth. Yeah. I'll, I'll jump in with a thought as well. Just, you know, when we think about worship as God's revelation and us responding to it, um, that kind of helps us open up worship as more than music and more than just religious activity. And so like Wendy's talking about your workplace and even just the mundane chores you do around the house, if we realize that God, his presence is with us, then even his very presence is, is part of his revelation to us. And the Psalms say that the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Like just even nature is constantly showing us something about who God is. And so when we start to look at our life as, where is God right now? What is he doing right now? How is he revealing himself to me? Then we all of a sudden have all these opportunities to respond, and every part of life is an, is an opportunity for us to worship and glorify God in our workplaces and the tasks that we do. And I think that's what's kind of neat, because God calls us to be worshipers more than just come to church, sing, uh, do religious activities, but to be um, a life, you know, to live a lifestyle of worship. 
And so to be, I encourage you to be thinking about your workplace and how you spend your time and how God might be inviting you to respond to him in worship in those moments. Yeah. We, uh, in, in a couple of weeks, uh, June 11th, on, on Saturday night, uh, we're going to have a, a game night downstairs after our Saturday night uh, gathering. And even that activity of playing card games with one another, uh, we've talked about how that is also worship in God is revealing himself and we are responding in some way. Uh, laughter can be a fantastic gift of God. Uh, so, and Jesse, maybe you uh, already answered this, so uh, feel free to just shove it back at me, but any, anything else you wanna add about just if, if God is revealing and we're responding, if anything can be worship, how do we know when it's, when it's worship and when it's not? Yeah, so we talk about uh, worship as a lifestyle, that anything we do can be worship. But we know that that's not true. There are some things that are not worship activities. For example, sin is not a worshipful uh, activity. So a great, I think it's a good question to grapple with. How do we know when we've worshiped God, when we attend something like a game night and have fun? How do we know that that's not just a fun worldly time that will pass away and is not eternal in some way? Uh, because we've said that everything can be worshipful. And so I really do think it's when we um, train ourselves to be present in those moments and just understanding what God is doing. So you mentioned laughter. I think when laughter is such a good thing, right? And that's a, totally a gift from God. Joy, our God is a God of joy. And so when we experience joy and we realize this is a gift from God, all of a sudden we have realized something about revelation that God has revealed himself to us, that he's a God of joy. And then we are invited to have some sort of response. And so I love thinking about things like a game night. And if we'll pause and just go, wow, that was good. And that was a gift from God. Then all of a sudden we've turned that into something that is eternal and everlasting because it was a moment of worship and not just a worldly thing. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, As we talk about worship being more than just uh, the gathering of uh, people, and we're um, we're thinking about this this definition of communion, of a reveal and uh, and response. Uh, how does this definition of of worship and these thoughts uh, inform your personal worship, and not just what we do here? I'll, I'll just say, I think my answer to that is very short. I think it's just that um, it means that every part of my life can can be a worship moment, um, personally. Mm-hmm. So we talk about corporate worship. Corporate just means when we're gathered with other mm-hmm. people or when we're with other people, you know, working with other people, whatever. Uh, and so that's what we're doing here now, mm-hmm. or even in your small group, or when you have coffee with a friend. Like, those are corporate times. But personally, it means that I can know God personally he has invited me to have relationship with him i said my answer is short but i keep thinking of <laughs> good keep going i don't want to i want to give you time you're good many, but just just thinking about how um you know when we even when we come to corporate worship to this nobody is going to worship on your behalf god mm. invites you to know him and you need to bring your heart to god and so in uh, regards to personal worship we do need to know god personally and worship him ourselves. And I think out of that flows our corporate worship gathering. 
That maybe gets off track for your question. No, that was perfect. That was great. <laughs> That's also about where I was headed. So um, I think I am not a person that enjoys going to a party with a large group of people. I walk into the room and I want to hide in the corner. Um, but if I don't engage with anybody, I really haven't engaged in the corporate activity of that day. Um, if I just hide in the corner, I'm, I'm not really engaging. And I think if you go to a party and don't know anyone in the room, uh, it's hard to engage with anyone. Similarly, if we go to God's party and we haven't met with him independently and know him, we're going to have trouble engaging with other people with him. And so for me, one of my biggest takeaways over the last I don't know, five years that we've been talking <laughs> about worship, Jesse and I, um, one of my biggest takeaways has been if my personal worship isn't in the right place, my ability to engage in corporate worship is really gone. And certainly my ability to lead in that situation and lead others to meet with Jesus is not going to be there. Um, we spent a lot of time um, throughout the course talking about what are the different roles in worship and what does it mean to be a worship leader and, and branching that out beyond just the person leading singing into including the greeters in the front who are showing God's love to people and that that is an act of worship. We talked a lot about different um, words that mean worship in the Bible that we translate as worship and they aren't all singing. Yes, singing is in there and it's part of it, but if I am not doing the things that I need to do to meet with Jesus, to develop a relationship with Jesus, I'm not going to be able to worship with other people because I'm not gonna be willing to get off the corner of the wall and engage together with other people. And so if anything, it is an emphasize to me my need for my own personal time with Jesus to be able to then corporately engage um, and actually be directed at Jesus and not super self-conscious or super hiding in the corner, or, um, but to actually engage with God with other people. If I don't know God, I can't do that. Yeah, uh, my fellow introverts uh, know the beauty of attaching yourself to an extroverted person at the party, particularly a talkative extroverted person. Very grateful that uh, God blessed me with uh, an extroverted, talkative 13-year-old. So uh, if we go to a social event, I can just follow her around. She'll do all the talking for me, uh, and then I don't have to worry about it, which is fantastic. We can't take that same attitude into corporate worship where we show up and go, okay, well, I'm just going to let the people who connect with God uh, do that for me, um, or we have missed out on a huge part of uh, what we are gathering to, to do. Uh, I should amend that. You can do that. You can absolutely show up and depend on somebody else uh, to make those connections for you, um, but you will have missed out um, on the beauty and the joy of, of gathering, uh, gathering in, in worship. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I don't want to uh, derail your question. No, derail. Um, <laughs> go for it. But I know you have a question coming up about this. Uh, just thinking about what we're talking about here, it, it, I want to just say, too, that what, how you engage in worship doesn't have to look like somebody else, though. Mm, you so do good. have to engage but um, we're talking about extroverted, introverted. Like mm -hmm. you may be having a picture in your mind of somebody who's like uh, maybe really expressive in in corporate worship. And I just want to say that it all that God understands your personality, and He made you <laughs> with a personality. And the way we respond to to God in worship um, doesn't have to look like somebody else. So uh, I agree yeah. with what you're saying, but just just throw that yep. out as well. No, that's so good, and um, and shouldn't look like somebody else if it's not. It's not us, right? Like we, we uh, 
God made you and knows you, knows everything about you. Putting on a show for him in worship <laughs> isn't gonna make much of a difference. I mean, he knows who you are and he knows um, how you connect with him and, and he connects uh, with, with you. Um, which, uh, this will take us on a little bit of a left turn, but I was uh, wondering if, if one or both of you might talk about uh, briefly uh, different ways that people uh, find their way to God. Um, connect with with God uh, in most naturally. I know that was part of the the class, and I'm I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but we also kind of went there. So, you want to talk about worship instincts a little bit? Yeah. Um, one of the things we went over in the class, I'm trying to think of how to um, summarize. <laughs> your question. Yep. Sorry. Yep. No. Nope, um, just thinking about how we all do worship God differently. Um, there are some different tools you might have heard of, like spiritual pathways or. Uh, what I have liked to look at is a, a thing by Gordon MacDonald called the um, Leading Spiritual Instincts. But uh, without going into them all, just realizing that we do uh, interact with God in different ways. Some of us are maybe more contemplative and um, would like to uh, maybe respond to God more in like a quiet prayer time, uh, that sort of thing where there's this stillness. Some of us are more expressive and uh, expressive worshipers um, can maybe be labeled charismatic sometimes. They want to um, experience God. And so uh, it kind of lends itself more toward uh, the miraculous and God's, um, God's gifts that he gives. And th these are all great ways that we interact with God. And others are student worshipers. Um, I know those folks because they, uh, if, if they're critical student worshipers, might say, why do we sing so much? Let's just get to the message. Because, <laughs> and you know, okay, I'm talking to a student worshiper. Like they yes. connect with God through study and intellect. But the thing is, is that um, God is all, like he speaks to us in all of these ways. And the trick with our personalities and our kind of bent in as far as styles of worship is that we, we all tend to think that God is like me. And so everyone should connect to God the way that I do. Mm. And that's just um, false and actually leads us down some roads of not loving each other well because we don't appreciate each other's styles and preferences. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of a nutshell. Yeah, no, that was, that was great. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I know you can go for a long time about it. I just, no, that was... That was wonderful, and um, and I, I love your points about how um, there's no ranking of those things, right? We're, we're not saying, well, the people who are really worshipful are this, and these people down here, I mean, I guess they get it, but but that it's all different uh, ways that we we connect uh, with God together. Uh, one of the things that uh, strikes me as I look through Scripture, especially as we're thinking about revealing and responding, that. Uh, both are done in a multitude of ways in Scripture. God reveals himself in all kinds of ways. Um, we see God reveal himself in person um, from at the very beginning to the person of Jesus. Uh, we see God reveal himself through nature. Scripture talks about that in a number of different ways. Uh, we see God reveal himself through a talking donkey. Um, True story. And, and uh, makes me feel better about standing up here trying to teach stuff. Because I'm like, if God can teach people things through a donkey, I'm going to be okay. Uh, and people respond in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, we see people in expressive, uh, really passionate 
worship, we see people um, respond in obedience. Obedience is most definitely an act of worship. God has called us to a thing and we step into it, whether we want to or not. Uh, People respond in lamenting, in wrestling. There are all kinds of ways um, that, that God reveals himself and that we have this opportunity to respond to what he uh, is, is doing in us. Um, anything you guys want to add to that, riff on that? I was thinking about just responses of, of worship. Um, yeah. You know, there are activities that we can engage in in worship, and it's kind of interesting to, uh, as you read through the Psalms maybe, to take a look at the not just the verbs, but the ways that people responded to God in worship. Um, and it's sometimes kind of surprising because we think of singing, that's an easy one. Um, this psalms talk about like shout to the Lord. But like there are times where it says like remember what the Lord has done. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of interesting to think that like pausing to remember what God has done is a worshipful activity. Um, so that's something I'd encourage you to, to maybe do as you uh, read through the Bible and especially the Psalms. Just take note of different actions actions of worship responses. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, yeah, any, uh, anything else that we have not talked about yet that you guys want to make sure we cover? Okay, <laughs> awesome. Uh, we are going to spend uh, a little time in worship uh, through music and, and a couple of other reflections um, that, that uh, Wendy's going to lead us through. Uh, I uh, hope that uh, some of what you have heard this morning um, is that God is revealing himself, not just when we gather together um, in, in a place like this, but God is revealing himself as you go through uh, your daily life in the laughter, in nature, in, um, in scripture, um, in uh, what comes to mind sometimes even as we remember, and that we do have all of these different opportunities to respond in how we serve, in how um, we take the time to remember what God has done in um, our singing, whether you feel like you can sing or not in uh, how we love our neighbor, that all of these things are responses to um, how God has revealed in in laughter and joy. Um, And uh, it does not have to look like um, it does at church. I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago who, um, I don't remember how this came up, we were talking a little bit about personal worship, and he said, what do you mean that there's ways to worship or to respond to God or to spend time with God Uh, other than singing and reading your Bible. Because he'd gone to church a bunch. And and it was was not this church, but his experience with church, which might be your experience coming here, is mostly that we sing and then we open up scripture and somebody talks about it. And so we go, okay, these are the ways we connect with God. We sing and we dig into scripture. And those are both fantastic ways to connect with God. And there's good reasons why we do them when we gather together. To sing is a unifying act. It's something we can all do together centered on Jesus. Um, We, about a year and a half ago, did a couple months where we were not singing together. And you do have to get really creative with how we're trying to connect with God Together, So we sing together um, and, and we do want to dig into scripture and base everything that we're teaching uh, on that and it's good to learn together. So there's good reasons why we do that together, but there are also all of these ways that we can 
uh, respond to God in uh, our kitchens, in our living rooms, um, uh, at the parties, uh, in our schools, in our workplaces, um, as uh, God reveals himself and, and we uh, respond. So um, uh, again, we're, we're gonna walk through a, a couple of activities. Wendy's gonna lead us through. Um, so let me pray for us as we uh, enter into this time of what God may be doing in us. Father God, we do ask um, that you would continue to reveal yourself to us. God, I'm, I'm grateful that you do, that you uh, reveal your heart, your love, your truth, your grace to us. And God, we want to respond. So would you stir in us joy? Would you stir in us tears? Would you stir in us remembering? Would you stir in us a desire to study, a desire to know you more, a, di- a desire to um, express our love or lament to you? Father, would you center us on you, on what you are revealing to us, on what you want to teach us about who you are, that we wouldn't just know about you, but that we would know you more. God, thank you for honoring us, I suppose, in in revealing yourself to us. God, we're grateful And we're grateful for the invitation to respond in Jesus' name. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Find out more or connect online at easthillsalliance.org.